Thank you for listening to Life Church Podcast. For more information, go to lifechurchofcolumbia.org. Amen. I want to deal with the subject this morning. We're going to title The Power of Passion. The Power of Passion. Shake your neighbor up real good right now and ask him, Where's your passion? Shake them with passion. Say, <laughs> where is she? That's right. She's got it right over here. Shake some passion into her, baby. My, 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 my. Uh, we're on a campaign this week, and I want to invite you to be a part of it. Uh, we had a miracle service here a while back, and part of our miracle service was sowing a miracle seed. The book of Corinthians teaches us that if we'll sow... He'll give seed to the sower that you'll never lack. Um, he said that we would never lack in doing good. God wants you to be a blessed so you, uh, blessing. He wants you to be blessed so you can be a blessing to someone else. Well, that seed was sown, and we, uh, we do a lot of contributions into our community here at Life Church. But the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, give the seed back to them. Uh, give the seed back that you could take that seed and begin to scatter it through our community. We've done that, amen, unless you didn't get the amount back to us. If you do that, your seed will be given back to you. Uh, so we're on a campaign this week to go through our community and be an expression of a love of God by just blessing someone. Buying their groceries in the grocery store. Buying their meal when you leave out of a restaurant. Um, seeing someone in the grocery store and you just, and I want you to pray over it. Some people are praying over it and God's been leading them and we're to sow money. Uh, so I want to encourage you, join with us uh, through this week. And you say, well, I just ain't got much to give. Let me tell you what, if you learn this principle of giving, the scripture says, I'll make it to where you always have something to give. So if you don't have money and you got a can of beans, get your can of beans, go to your neighbor and give it to them. Amen. Give it to them. Matter of fact, I know this is hard to receive, but he said, as you begin to sow this seed, it's, I'm going to multiply your righteousness. That is wild. That is wild. That the heart of giving is actually a reflection of a right heart with God because he is a giver. So if you're not a giver, you need to check if, uh-oh, I ain't going there. I ain't running this mood, amen. Uh, so we want to be an expression of the love of God. For no reason at all, I challenge you, bless somebody. Bless somebody. You ain't got to be wealthy to bless somebody. Amen. So that's what we're doing through this week and next week of just asking the Lord to lead us. So join us with that. Even if you didn't sow the seed into the church, take your seed. Get your amount. Pray over it. And as you sow that, pray that. Uh, and this might be a stretch for some of you. We are sowing our seed because we're praying about something else. Right? That's what we're doing, me and my wife, because we've done seen it work in our life. We don't, we, don't, we don't want it to come back in money. We want it to come back in another area of our life. So I challenge you, if you give that can of beans, pray over it. Amen. You may simply want to pray, God, I want to start the process so when it comes time for me to want to bless somebody, I have it to bless them with. All right? That's our, that's our uh, goal for the next few weeks, that Life Church be an expression of the love of God with our finances. Uh, you may not have the money or a can of beans, but I bet you got a smile. Amen? Maybe a snaggletooth smile, but it's a smile. Come on now. <laughs> Amen? It may be a hug. It may be a kind gesture. Can, can, I, can I give you all something deep? Get your pens ready. Write this down. We're supposed to be nice. <laughs> We're Christians, y'all. We're supposed to be nice. That's deep. Some of y'all didn't realize that. That would have been a good place for somebody to say, wow. Grab your Bibles and open with me. There's three different places. Uh, uh, before I do, let's give the Lord a great big hand praise for that praise team. Scott on that piano. Stephen on them drums. Hey, buddy, you're anointed to play drums. If you'll come play for us, I'll pay you the same. I'll double what we're paying our drummer. It'll be double to nothing, but... <laughs> Josh would love for you to come play the drums. Amen. I want to take you to three passages of scriptures. Uh, this praise team threw, threw together a, 
skeleton crew there and did a wonderful job this morning. Scott stepped out of his comfort zone. I didn't know he was going to be on the piano. Stand with me all over the house. Uh, we'll try to get through these scriptures as quick as we can. Open up your, your Bible. If I may, I'm going to make myself very vulnerable to you today as your pastor. I am going to preach myself under conviction, and then I'm going to repent. Is that all right? Uh, I don't care who sees it. don't care who's involved, but I just feel by the content of this message today that I will preach my own self under conviction, and I am so stirred that we need a move of God. Is anybody else in this place? we got to have revival. If we don't get God to come, our communities are in trouble, our families are in trouble, pulpits are in trouble. Are y'all out there this morning? Amen. we got to have a move of God. And I've come to the conclusion today I'm going to draw a circle, and I'm going to stand in that circle and say, let revival begin in this circle. So y'all can go with me today, or I'm just going to preach myself under the pew. I'm going to crawl to the altar, and I'm going to leave here forgiven today. Would y'all go with me? Come or stay, I'm going. 2 Kings chapter number 13. I'm sorry I should have untold our sound tech. Amen. She's, she's, she's back there going to try to stay with me. 2 Kings 13, 14 is where I'm going to begin. 2 Kings chapter number 13 beginning in verse number 14. Now Elisha, if y'all got it, shout amen. amen. If you ain't got it, say wait. Oh Jesus. Somebody help them. It's in the Old Testament. <laughs> got it? Oh, look, she found it on her phone. That's the way to do it. Amen. If you ain't got it by now, fake it. 2 Kings 13 and 14. Now Elisha was fallen sick of his sickness whereof he died. And Joash the king of Israel came down unto him and wept over his face and said, O my father, my father, the chariot of Israel and the horsemen thereof. And Elisha said unto him, Take a bow and arrows. He took unto him the bow and arrows. You got to understand this was common for the king to come to the prophet to get direction for the country or for the nation. God give us that mindset again. He took unto him bow and arrows, and, and, and then he said to the king of Israel, Put your bow upon, I mean, put your hand upon the bow. Oh, I wish to have my bow and arrow. I've been using it on Wednesday night. He said unto the king of Israel, Put your hand upon the bow, and he put his hand on it, and Elisha reached around him, put his hand upon his hands, and his hands upon the king's hands. 17 says, And he said, Now open the window to the east. He opened it, and Elisha said, Shoot, and he shot. And he said, The arrow of the Lord's deliverance. This was a prophetic analogy, an uh, 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 illustrated sermon. The arrow of the Lord's deliverance and the arrow of deliverance from Syria. Now, I want you all to read this last phase with me because it's a prophecy that's, that, that he's going to receive. Ready? Read. For thou shalt smite the Syrians in Aphek till you have destroyed them. Mine, mine's King James Version says, I want you to get the prophetic word. You shall smite the Syrians in Aphek till you have totally destroyed them. That's the prophetic word. Somebody say, God said it. Okay, and he said, verse number 18, take the arrows. And he took them, the arrows still flying out the window. He just shot. Now he said, take the other arrows. And he took them and said unto the king, smite upon the ground. And he smote three times and stopped. And the man of God was, and the man of God was, verse 19, angry. You mean preachers get mad? No, no, wait a minute. He was the prophet. And he's expressing the emotions of God. So God was mad. Tell your neighbor, God was mad. I'm going to reveal an attribute to you you may have trouble with. God was mad. God was angry. The man of God was angry and said, You should have smitten five or six times. Then you would have smitten Syria until you destroyed it. But now, but now, 
But now, because of your complacency, the prophetic word has been annulled. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> oh, Jesus. God said it. God just said, you're going to totally destroy them. But now, because of your nonchalant, your victory is going to match your passion. <laughs> oh, God, y'all got to pray for your pastor today. But now, you're only going to smite Syria three times. Turn with me to Isaiah 59 and 14. Isaiah 59, 14. Cass, I'm going to go through 17. I'm preaching on the passion of our Christ. This is Isaiah 700 years before the coming of the Messiah. He looked through the, the, the eons of time and caught a glimpse of the Christ who was going to come and chase you down, kick walls down, and destroy the lies. I want you to catch a glimpse of your Christ. You saw him laying in a manger. You see him in pictures holding little lambs with a halo around his head. You saw him as a baby. I'm going to show you what Isaiah saw 700 years before the Messiah came. 14 says, and judgment is turned away backwards, meaning judgment has been perverted. Can I get a witness? Justice stands afar off. Truth has fallen in the street. And equity or integrity cannot enter. Yea, 15. Yea, truth faileth. And he that departs from evil makes himself a prey. Am I describing the United States of America? Amen. You can say any blasphemous word you want to say but Jesus. You can't say Jesus. Amen. He that does right has made himself a prey. And the Lord saw it and it. He ain't happy. It displeased him that there was no judgment. There was no justice. He's looking down on the condition of the world and it displeased him. That word actually means it disgusted him. He was mad. He was angry because there was no justice. Verse 16 and there was no justice because he looked and there was no man. My God, are y'all with me this morning? There was no justice because there was no man. There was no justice because there was no man. There was no justice because there was no intercessor. There was nobody that would get angry about the things God is angry about and attack what God is attacking instead of attacking people you're attacking or we're attacking. He was disgusted. He saw that there was no man. He wondered. Wondered means stunned, devastated, astonished. He stood astonished that there was no intercessor. There was no one to stand in the gap and to make up the hedge. Therefore, somebody shout therefore. Therefore, his own arm brought salvation. <laughs> Amen. That's just awesome, ain't it? He said, if I can't find somebody to go do it, I'll just do it myself. Huh? I'll just go do it. My, let me get dressed. Just, just let me get dressed and I'll go do it myself. <laughs> I was kidding my, my wife the other day. She does all of our mowing, but she didn't have the lawnmower figured out. And she didn't know to push this down, pull the brake out, pull this brake up. You know, one of them lawnmowers. And, and I was trying, she was asking. I said, Lord, if I got to tell you all that, I might as well go do it myself. Somebody said, you did that? So Jesus, he said, he said, I can't find a man with the right heart that's dressed right, so I'll just go do it myself. He saw that there was no man. 17 says, he put on righteousness as a breastplate and a helmet of salvation upon his head. He put on the garments of, so tell your neighbor, he's talking about Jesus. He put on vengeance. He put on vengeance. Vengeance is not revenge. You got to be careful. Don't mix up revenge with vengeance. Vengeance is demonic. Are you, are you listening to me? I mean, revenge is demonic. 
but, but, but vengeance, vengeance is restoring someone else's honor. Oh, you got to get that. You got to get that. It's vindicating someone else's honor. He said, I'll go, Father. I'll go. I'll go get your honor back. Mm. He put on the garments of vengeance for clothing, and somebody read it with me. And he was clad with zeal. He wore a special mantle when he came. <laughs> he wore a special mantle. It was a mantle of zeal. One more place, and you can take your seat. John chapter number 2, verses 13 through 17. John chapter number 2, verses 13 through 17. And the Jews' Passover was his hand, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. And he found in the temple those that sold oxen and sheep and doves and changers of the money sitting. He found in the temple, he found in the temple, he found in the temple. I want you to understand that it was not an unusual thing because they come from miles to offer worship and they offered worship with sacrificial animals. It was not uh, easy to haul a lamb a hundred miles, 50 miles. 150 miles. So they would save their money all year. It was not an uncommon thing to come outside the temple and purchase a sacrifice so they could go in and worship. It was not an uncommon thing. Amen. But they had so lost their respect for God, and they had so lost their respect for worship, that they just brought the animals right in the house. And now they're doing on the inside what was supposed to be done, only done on the outside. Are y'all listening to me? Amen. So, so there was some things that was done on the outside. It's not supposed to come on the inside. Are y'all following me? Hey, some things that, and, but through their irreverence to the house of God, it ain't no big deal. It's just church. It's just Sunday morning. They just kind of eased on in there, and it's too hot outside. So they brought their animals in, and they know worship going on now. There's money making going on. Jingling and jangling and carrying on. Amen. And Jesus walks in. Are y'all with me? Fifteen says, and when he made a scourge of small cards. Tell your neighbor, he's talking about Jesus. <laughs> he made a whip. Jesus made a whip, y'all. He, he made a scourge of small cards and he drove them out of the temple. He didn't say y'all dismissed. Oh, y'all gotta, gotta get a picture of this. He drove them out of the temple with a whip in hand. Yeah, I'm still talking about Jesus. And the sheep and the oxen, and he poured out the money, and he turned over tables. Boy, this was a fine Sabbath day church. The, the, the priest has gone crazy. The pastor, the priest who is no less than Jesus Christ himself, is now wrecking the house. He overthrew the tables... And he said to them that sold doves, take these things out and do not make my father's house a house of merchandise. And verse 17 says, now, now you got to remember before I read this, these disciples just got picked. They hadn't been with this man called Jesus very long. Jesus had just done his first miracle. He was brand new on the circuit. Brand new. They hadn't been, he just called them. Nathaniel, follow me, follow me, follow me. The first miracle they ever saw him done was put, turn the water into wine. And whoa, man, this guy is holy. Ain't been to church with him yet. So now they go to church with him and he's wrecking the place. I'm sure they done scooted up against the wall and said, my 
goodness, this guy's off the chain. <laughs> Are y'all sure this is the denomination we want to be a part of? And the most powerful scripture, 17. And his disciples remembered that it was written, the zeal of your house has eaten me up. Mm. Mm. You got to pray for this one now. You got to pray for this one. This ain't an average sermon. You're going to have to pray over this before I preach it. You're really going to have to pray over it. Let's pray right now. Father, in the name of Jesus, please don't let me preach with complacency. Lord, if you have to come in today, if you have to come in today with a whip, if you have to come in today and turn some things over, if you have to come in, if you have to come in today and shake some things up, oh Lord, let it begin in the pulpit. Not only this pulpit, but every pulpit in Caldwell Parish, every pulpit of America. Please, Lord, come in and shake things up, oh Lord God Almighty. Repos somebody ought to be praying right now. Repossess your house, oh Lord God. We've turned it into jingling and jangling, oh Lord God Almighty. But I'm, I'm relinquishing the pulpit of life, church, to you, Lamb of God. And I invite you and implore you to come in, shake things up, O oh Lord, and set things in order. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. I feel a spirit of conviction coming on this house. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. Seated in the I love another translation of the scripture. It says, uh, amen, that I will be consumed with jealousy for the honor of your house. I will be consumed with jealousy for the honor of your house, O oh God. Uh, somebody tap yourself right here and repeat that with me. I will be consumed with jealousy for your house, O oh God. Are you with me? Are you following me? I want you to keep that in your spirit as I preach this morning. We hear a lot preached, Brother Freddie, about the characteristics of our Christ. And we also hear it preached that since we belong to Christ, that you and I should share the characteristics of Christ. Amen. And as a result, we'll teach on these characteristics, things like the love of God. We'll teach on the love of God and say that you ought to possess that characteristic. We'll teach on the mercy of Christ, amen, and say if you're a Christian that you ought to possess the quality of mercy. We'll preach on grace and long-suffering, amen, and, and, and preach that we ought to be the recipients of uh, and the dispensers of. The, the grace and the long-suffering of God and the kindness of God. But, but you know, I don't remember the last time I heard anyone preach, uh, preach on this characteristic of Christ, which is his zeal. Amen. When's the last time you heard a message preached on the zeal of Christ or the anger of God? Amen. And you can't use that word anger no more in the church because the minute you use it, because we have put such a negative connotation with anger and because most of our anger is an exemplif uh, exemplifies the carnality of a flesh. Are you okay this morning? Pray for your preacher. He needs it today. Amen. Then anger is always bad. Anger is always bad. But my text this morning says God's mad because you're not mad. God's mad because you're not mad. Because you only get mad about the things that you care about. And you only get mad about the things that are valuable to you. That's why a mother's love is dangerous. A mother's love is dangerous. I told my wife, I pray with men all the time. I told her, I don't want to pray with men. I want to pray with mamas. I want to pray with some women. I want to pray with some women, not just women, but some women who have to fight every day. Oh, God. I want to pray with some women that's had babies. I want to pray with some women that knows how to travail and push, amen, and just lose their dignity to bring something into this world, amen. And I begin to think that's why a mother's love is so dangerous is because she loves so deep, her anger can run as deep as her love. Oh, my God, are y'all with me in this place, amen? Uh, amen. My little wife there is pretty petite. Amen. And she's just beautiful. She's just real tiny and all of that. Amen. And she just smiles at everybody. Amen. But I just challenge you, mess with her kids. 
Mess, them pretty blues will turn red. And they'll run out on stems and spin. Oh, is anybody in this building? Amen. Are you listening to me? And she don't weigh, but she don't weigh much. But I guarantee you she'd be, move on, preacher. Move on. Move on. But she'd be like a circle saw that goes up one side and down the other, and all your guts will fall out on the ground. Amen. Because a deep love can be turned into an anger. Amen. And it's an anger that casts out fear. No one in the Bible says perfect love will cast out fear. Oh, somebody ought to get a hold of that right there. Amen. Because let a snake, let a bear, let anything that a mama's scared of start to try to get their kids and their fear turns to anger. And God is sitting in heaven saying, I'm mad because you ain't mad. I'm mad because you okay with people going to hell. I'm mad because you okay with services uh, where lives are double side, where lives are not being transformed, souls are not being saved, marriages are not being healed. Can I just preach this morning, amen? Uh, and you're still going through the jinglings and janglings uh, and the worship services and the prayer services, amen, but you've never gotten mad enough to do something about it. So God said, I'm just mad because y'all ain't mad. I'm mad because you're okay with it. And I'm really mad because you ain't mad at you. <laughs> it's going to get deep in here. It's going to get real deep in here. Amen. Uh, you ain't going to want to miss next week because I know where it's going to go already. Amen. He said, I'm mad because you ain't got mad enough at your own complacency and your own faithfulness to do something about it. How many knows you'll never change until you get sick and tired of being sick and tired? We like to talk losing weight, and we like to talk being healthy, and we like to talk spiritual. Come on now, I'm going, I'm going to preach like a father today, amen, amen. But I love the idea better than the reality because the idea don't cost me nothing. But the reality, to bring it into reality, I'm going to have to get my feet in the stirrups. Y'all still do that, ladies? I, I, and I'm going to have to do some pushing, amen. So, so we, we hear a lot preached on, but we don't hear many people talking about the zeal of Christ. Zeal is defined as passionate energy or enthusiasm. It's zeal is passionate energy, enthusiasm. Zeal is an overwhelming eagerness to accomplish or to obtain something. Amen. It's a zealousness, amen. And the text here gives us a glimpse of the passion of Christ. Uh, when he sees the compromise of the worshipers in the house of God and the disrespect that they had for God's house, his, his zeal, his passion for God's house had him planting a whip. Can y'all see him? Just see him standing over there. And you got to understand, this is the beginning of Jesus' ministry. This is the induction. This is the debut of the ministry of Jesus Christ. He's been in the shadow until now. And the first, the first escapade of Christ is in the house of God and he's seeing what's going on and it's got him standing over the side grabbing some ropes and he's plaiting out a whip. Amen. He, he, he had such a zeal for the honor and the justice of the house of God. Amen. That it was being belittled that the temple, it, it stirred up the emotion of anger in him. It stirred up and it, it began to provoke the uh, uh, Vengeance in him, amen. And he was platting a whip to vindicate the honor of his God. Oh, the zeal, the zeal of Christ. He could not handle what was going on and he's standing there platting that whip. His, his, his zeal gave him a zero tolerance for the complacency of the temple worshipers and he just began to drive them out of the temple. He, he got this thing platted and he began to drive them out of the temple and he drove the animals out of the temple and he, he turned the money uh, uh, tables over. Amen. Thank you. He turned the money tables over and I mean he's just 
wreaking havoc on their little lucrative business. Amen. And his disciples are standing over saying, my Lord, what is going on in this church? What is going on in this place? And then all of a sudden, while Jesus is wreaking havoc, the Bible says they remembered the word. A scripture came to mind. When they watched his actions, it made them think about the word. Oh, God. let me go try this side. Their zeal, his zeal made them think about the word. And they said, oh my God, this is the word made flesh. This is the word coming alive. Amen. I remember the zeal of thine house has eating me up. Oh, that God would baptize us with the zeal so powerful that when people looked at their worship, they would say, that reminds me of the word. When they seen you in Nebuchadnezzar, a zeal that when they seen you in the community, they would step back and say, oh my God, that reminds me of New Testament Christians. Oh, somebody high-five somebody and ask them, where's the zeal? Where's the zeal? Oh, that God would baptize us with the zeal of our Christ that would remind others of the Bible. Amen. That God would baptize us with a zeal that would give us zero tolerance for compromising the integrity. That God would give us a zeal, amen, that I couldn't tolerate compromise coming in this house. Amen. We've allowed things that shouldn't come in this house to come in this house because we've lost the zeal. But what if a zeal had us platting a whip for our own lives? What if a zeal, what if a zeal had us preparing an instrument to clean out my temple? Oh, God, help me this morning, Holy Spirit, amen. This could be, this could be the very missing element that's left the church so passive and weak and vulnerable. It's a lack of passion. It's a lack of passion. It's cold. It's cold in here. It's cold in here. It's dead in here. Dead, it's cold. It's just cold. Preacher, if you'll just get through preaching, I'll be on about my business. <laughs> I'll see you next Sunday. We'll set to another cold. <laughs> I've been cold too long. <laughs> I can't stay cold no more. Oh, God, I hope somebody, I hope somebody goes with me this morning. I, I, I've been cold too long, and amen. And, 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 and if, if he has to baptize me with unholy anger that's got me platting a whip, amen. I hope I ain't the only one, but let me encourage you, amen. Plat the whip for you before you plat a whip for some. Plat a whip for you before you plat a whip for somebody else. Amen. What if zeal had me platting a whip to, 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 to get out of this temple things that wasn't supposed to ever come in here? God, I'm on side. I said, zeal is the remedy. It's the remedy. There is no substitute for zeal. You can't sing pretty enough, Scott. Amen. Oh, God, the zeal you sang with this morning. Rosetta, the zeal that was coming out of you this morning. There ain't no substitute for zeal. Amen. Talent can't cover up the lack of zeal. You hear me? Ministries of excellence can't cover up the lack of zeal. Sooner or later, it's going to show up. It may be beautiful, but it's still cold. It may be in tune, but it's still an undamosa. It's still unacceptable. Amen. It may be an eloquent sermon, but there is no substitute for zeal. God, I have come to conclusion. God has unlocked it in my life. He's revealed it in my life and he put his finger on it. Amen. Oh, help us to dive deep this morning. I come to tell you that zeal is the remedy for weak, complacent Christianity. Zeal is the remedy for the temptations of compromise and sleepy, sheepish Christians. <laughs> That's what we need again. We need another baptism. 
We need another baptism. We don't need to add another service. We need another baptism. We don't need to add another program. We need another baptism. Uh, I'm going to say this for uh, uh, people who have to practice. We don't need another praise team practice. We need another baptism. Amen. We need a baptism of fire again. God, indeed baptize you with water, but there's one coming after me whose shoes I am not worthy to be loosened, and he is going to baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with... Is anybody in this place, amen? God never intended for religion to operate apart from fire. God never intended for religion to operate apart from fire. It is fire that provokes religion. Oh, is anybody in this place, amen? And we've gotten too dignified. Praise the Lord. You don't understand who I am. I run Sonics. I'm the manager of five Sonics. <laughs> He's the most important person I could think of right now, so I'm picking on Scott. Uh, I got an image to uphold. Hey, man. Uh, Freddie's sitting over there saying, you don't understand, Pastor. I'm a law enforcement officer. <laughs> I wear a badge. Oh, is anybody in this place? Amen. And we've become too important to have fire. We've become too mature. A lady told me one time, I used to shout and I used to dance and I used to be on fire for God, but I've become more mature now. And I just smiled with my teeth in my mind. I said, no, you've become backslid. That's what you've become. Is anybody in this place? Amen. We've become so important. Amen. Hey, and, 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 uh, and Shay, he's so good looking. He's got them biceps going on and that guitar hanging way down here. To where? I don't know what that means, but he got to bend over to reach the strings. Uh, amen. But it's cool. Ain't nobody safe this morning. Are you listening to me? Amen. But what if the fire fell on Shay? What a double shot. What if the fire fell on him and he began to play under an anointing? Then begin to break yokes and set the captain free. We need the fire. I said we need fire again. Somebody shout, send the fire. Send the fire. Why? Because fire is a is a purging agent and it'll purge the God it'll purge it'll purge the pride out of you passion passion is equivalent to hunger amen and it's easy to be dignified when you ain't hungry but it's easy it's hard to stay dignified when you get really hungry when you ain't hungry you won't pick up cans on the side of the road but when you get really hungry oh, thank you Jesus oh anybody in this place. When you get really hungry, amen, you'll pick up cans and wave at people on the problem is we ain't hungry. We ain't hungry no more. We ain't thirsty no more. Amen. And my Bible says, blessed are they that are hungry. Blessed are they that still have passion. Blessed are they that still have a desire. What's the matter with you? You're cold. Cold steel don't burn with a flip. So when the preacher's preaching, we're rigid. <laughs> the word can't... <laughs> The word can't bend me no more. It can't mobile me no more. The word can't change me no more because I done got cold. I have an element about me that is malleable. Amen. It is malleable, but it can't take form until you heat it up again, until the fire comes again. And when the fire starts burning again, amen, then my heart can be changed. I can be molded, amen. But you can tell you're cold. When we get offended at the word. <laughs> oh, I told y'all I'm a mess. Matter of fact, I ain't even preaching to y'all. I ain't preaching to y'all. I'm preaching to me. <laughs> Zeal is the remedy. It's the cure. God showed me that's the cure. 
Remedy is a cure for your temptations of compromise. You can quit fighting that compromise. That's not the problem. You're fighting the wrong thing. Quit fighting what you're fighting and just start building the fire. Oh, my God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know it ain't supposed to be there, and you know you ain't supposed to be ugly, and you know you ain't supposed to be rude, and you know you're supposed to love, and you know you're supposed to have mercy for that person you want to kill, and you're trying to drum up some mercy. Amen. When you just fight a double side, you're just fighting a losing battle. Quit fighting it and just start throwing another log on the fire. Because when you build the fire up, it'll burn all that stuff out of you and you'll just love the unlovable. You're tired of making yourself come to church? Build a fire. Zeal. The devil couldn't steal our faithfulness. We're too devoted to the religion. Too devoted to the religion. I done set in now. I done got my habit going. I done got my habit going. I ain't going to quit that. (laughs) He said, I ain't got to steal your devotion. Or let me say consistency. I ain't got to steal your consistency. All I got to steal is your passion. Oh, my God. That's all I got to get. Amen. Because consistency without passion is religiosity. Religion without passion is religiosity. It's a form of godliness denying the power thereof. Oh, is anybody in this place? We got buildings all over this community. And we got forms of worship, forms of praise. But a form without passion. Oh, it's religion with no power. My God, today, today Christ is coming in this building. And for some people I'm preaching to right now, couldn't give a hill of beans and will not be moved. But I'm preaching to somebody right now who's saying, okay, Lord, I'm going to kick the temple door open. Come preach at my church. I don't think Jesus understood how to get an itinerary built to preach at churches because you don't take your first preaching service and wreck the church. Amen. If Jesus was going to build a ministry, he was in the right place to do it. Amen. Because the hierarchy was still in the building. But Jesus went to wrecking the building. Amen. I wonder if there's anybody in this sanctuary this morning will kick open your temple door and say, Come in, Lord. Turn some stuff out there. Stir some stuff over in my life. Disorganize some stuff. My God, I said, it's, it's the cure for your temptations. Most Christians today struggle every day. It's because you have no zeal. <clears throat> we struggle. Always struggling to pray. Always struggling to be a Christian. Always struggling to do the right thing. Always struggling to say the right thing. Huh? Amen. I'm, I'm talking to 90% of, true, of Christianity today is always in a struggle. Always in a struggle, amen, to maintain a little bit of the light and the life of God in our life. And God spoke to me and said, you want to know why? Because they have no passion. Have no passion. Because passion will deal with every bit of that. Amen. And then you'll become like Jesus who said, the zeal of your house has eaten me up. In other words, I can't think of anything else but getting to your house. Uh, is, this, is this even acceptable? I can't think of anything else but bringing honor and glory to my God. A cuss word didn't come to mind. A hallelujah came to mind. Preaching way up here. Are y'all coming? So we've just built gospels around that it's normal. It's normal. It's normal. So I began to look at the New Testament church. And I found out that passion held the early church to a whipping post. And they beat them beyond recognition. And not one went out of the city with his lip dragging the ground saying, Poor pitiful me, I tried to do the right thing and look what happens. 
Someone just made that statement. <laughs> yeah, I try to do the right thing and look what happens. I try to pay my tithes and look what happens. I try to be nice and look what I get back come to me. Amen. But they had such passion for Christ. They went out of the city with blood streaming down beside them, praising and worshiping God that they were counted worthy to suffer for Jesus. And you throw the cuss fit because your tire was low. Why is the devil always picking We've lost something. We've lost something. You can tell when you lose your passion because everything's got to be comfortable. Huh? Amen. Some of y'all leave about every Sunday and say, that boy can preach, but he preaches too long. Why was I drawn to you? Ain't you glad you came this morning? Yeah, he just preaches too long. He just preaches too long. Huh? Yeah, I need to get out so I can go. I'm going to try to find some balance in my passion this morning, but it ain't going to be easy. Are you listening to me? Amen. Are you listening to me? You can tell when you don't have passion because it's either too hot or it's too cold. I ain't going back to that church. I ain't got no air conditioner in it. Huh? Or if you're my wife, I ain't going back. I mean, she don't say that. Amen. Because she's all wrapped up in a blanket. It's too cold. Let me say what passion will take care of every bit of that. Amen. Passion will have you pushing your way through line. Oh, is anybody listening to me? Amen. You better get ready because when revival comes to life, church, you may have to park across the street and walk over here and stand in a corner somewhere. But when you get passionate for Jesus, you'll stand in the fire. Is anybody in this place? Because it's hunger. I'm going to eat. My God, is anybody in this place? Uh, am I the only one that needs a new baptism? Somebody be honest with me this morning. Pastor, I've lost my zeal. That's my problem. I've lost my zeal. Amen. You don't want to know, you know why every time the door creaks or a baby cries, you get distracted. Amen. It's because we ain't got no passion. When you get passion, you won't care. Amen. If the baby's pulling the stuffing out of the pews beside you, when you get hungry, amen, you'll push everything else. I double side said, I got to have a word. I'm going to eat before I leave this place. Amen. Oh, when you get passionate, you won't notice it's got Mr. Note. My God, won't they get somebody up there can sing? I could beat him. They'll do better than that. If we ever get hungry, they can stand up here with no music, no, no electricity and sing, Mary had a little, whoa, singing product. Mary had a little lamb, little, is anybody listening to this place? But I'm so hungry, amen. The problem with us is we come in here overindulged, overindulged in the carnality of this world and there's no room, there's no room. I'm a steak-eating fool. You hear me? I love steak. Steak. Not off the bottom, meat on top. Ribeye. And I can eat it every day. But I found out when I sit down and eat that thing, that big bone-in 20-ounce, uh, that's what I'm talking about. Texas Roadhouse. It's a date. All of a sudden, I lean back. Ugh. That's disgusting. Oh, my God, I'm preaching better than you shouting. You want to know why? What I did love, I resent because I'm so full. Amen. And then we expect people to come in church services and enter into elaborate worship to a holy God when my hands are still full of the garbage I was digging in all week long. And you want me to get into a holy state of mind when my mind has been perplexed with that garbage coming through my TV all week long. 
You're missing something, you guys. Zeal. You're missing the zeal. You're missing the passion that pushes. We're missing the passion. We got zeal and passion. We got zeal and passion. I'm going to give y'all just a minute from this watching all these girls leave. <laughs> See what I mean? <laughs> Distractions. It's hard to be distracted when you're passionate about something. Matter of fact, you can tell how little and low your zeal is by how easy it is to get sidetracked. When you're zealous about something, you can be doing something else, but your mind's still on this. Oh, oh is anybody listening to me? And Jesus, oh God, I, I just I feel something finna shift right now. I, I I need to take a commercial break right now. I need you to shut everybody else out right now and just pray. Just pray. Something's finna shift in you. Don't 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 pray for anybody else. Pray for you. Amen. If you want this sermon, if you don't, that's that's none of my business. But if you want God to overturn, something's finna shift. Something's finna shift right now. Something's finna shift right now. Something's about to shift before we leave this service. Amen. My, 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 my. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In my text. Stay with me now. Just a few more minutes. In my text, the prophet, the, the king wanted that last word from the prophet. He wanted that last word from the prophet before he died. Amen. He said, shoot that arrow out the window. Amen. And you are going to consume. You're going to consume your enemy until they are destroyed. Now he said, I need to check your passion. How many know sometimes God will just check your passion? He'll check your passion. You ever sit in a service and don't feel like worshiping? Sometimes he just wants to say, I just want to see how passionate you really are. I, I, I just want to see how bad you really want it. And he'll pull back all the feel good so he can check your passion. God's doing a passion check this morning. He's doing a passion check. And we're going to see if your passion matches your mouth. Because you talk about how much you love me. You talk about how much you're going to serve me. But I've been doing a passion check. I believe that's, that's why he told him. He said, okay, the prophetic word's been given, but I want to check your passion. Take them arrows and beat them on the ground. The arrow, destiny is still in the air. The promise is still in the air. But what propels the promise to reach its goal is the passion of the king. Oh, the prayer ain't wrong, the passion is. The worship ain't wrong, the passion is. Oh, the giving ain't wrong, the passion is. He said, when you give, don't give out of necessity or grudgingly, but God loves a, amen. You, you, you can't give and tap your arrows. You can't worship, help me Holy Ghost. You can't worship and tap your arrows, amen. You're not worshiping a man, we're worshiping God. We're worshiping God. God, he said, beat the arrows, beat the arrows. And the king and his proud self tapped him. And oh God, when I read it, conviction, conviction stirred my soul. As powerful as the promise is, as powerful as the word is, as powerful as the prophecy is. If my zeal don't match the magnitude of the promise that was given to me, then I abort in my life what was spoken over my life. 
I abort the success of my prayer life simply because I went through the motions. Amen. And I didn't. Oh, it reminds me of the Laodicean church. He said, I know your works. I, I know your works. You're not hard or cold. He said, you're not hot or cold. He said, I would that you either be hot or you be cold. For if you was cold, I could convict you. And if you was hot, I could use you. But you're in a lukewarm condition. And, 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 and because you're lukewarm, you can't be convicted and you can't be stirred. And you said, I am rich and increased with goods and don't outdeed anything. He said, I don't need nothing. just talked to a man recently that the Holy Spirit revealed to me the condition of his spirit. And when I began to inquire, I was amazed at the response. Man, it's good. Oh, it's good. I'm telling you, I'm hitting on all eight. This is good. That's good. This is good. That's good. Naming a whole bunch of material stuff. It's all good. It's all good. And the scripture run through my mind. You say you're rich and you're increased with goods and you have need of nothing. He said, but you don't even know. You're blind, you're naked, you're miserable, and you're poor. Is anybody listening to me? He said, so I'd rather you be cold. At least you'd realize you're out of the will of God and I could put conviction in your life or conviction in your life. Or I would you be hot because I'd use you to bring glory to my name. He said, but because of a lukewarm state, I'm going to spew you out of my mouth. And I found out that that is actually an Aramaic idiom of I'm going to rebuke you. It means I'm going to give you out of my mouth. It actually means I'm finna bring a rebuke out of my mouth. I'm about to bring a rebuke out of my mouth. And here's the good thing. That same passage of scripture says, because as many as I love, I rebuke. As many as I love, I chastise. This is not a message of condemnation. It's a message of love that I'm going to reprimand you to bring you back to me. And I'm going to set you on fire for me. And I'm going to use you to bring glory to my name. He said, he said, oh my God. <laughs> Excuse me. And that scripture said, in the last thing he said to the lay of this scripture, he said, so be zealous and repent. <laughs> Jennifer, he said, be zealous and repent. And I said, Lord, repent for what? He said, for being present and not being powerful. For praying. <laughs> He said, repent for your praying with no passion. Repent for your worship with no worthiness. And he went from that, Brother Scott, to the church of Ephesus. And he said, I know your works. Oh, my God, this is so rich. Let me find it. He said, I know your works. Listen to me. I know your labor and I know your perseverance, how you cannot bear them which are evil. Listen to, what, listen to this commendation to this church. I know your works. I know what you're doing. I, I, I know your endurance and your patience. I know how you cannot bear them which are evil. And you have tried them which say they're apostles and you have found them liars. He said you have borne, you have endured for my name's sake. You have labored and you have not fainted. He's going on about the church. He said you've labored and have not fainted. And then he says nevertheless I have something against you. You lost your passion. I said, that's us. That's us. And Sister Beth, he says something so powerful. Repent from where you have fallen. He said, you didn't fall from your prayer time. 
You didn't fall from your consistency church going. That ain't what he called the exalted pinnacle. <laughs> he said you didn't fall from your consistent witness and your consistent testimony and your consistent doing your thing for me. You didn't fall from that. He said you're still doing all those things. You're still in the worship service. You're still in your Bible. You're still in your prayer time. He said where you fell from is that exalted place of passion that makes all these things a reality. He said, that's where you fell from. He said, repent, change your mind, turn, turn, amen. He said, turn and do your first works over or I'm coming and I'm going to move the candlestick. He said, you better do, what's your first works? Your first works was the zeal you had when you first got saved. Uh, can I take you back? Oh, stay with me five more minutes. Can I take you back to when you was first born again? Can I take you back to when you heard from God all the time because you were in a zealous state all the time? Is anybody in this building with me? Can I take you back when you were so passionate you had to share the gospel with somebody? You had to tell somebody about Jesus? Can I take you back to when you were so on fire that no matter what you were talking about, Jesus come into it. He said, you fail. But you didn't know you fail because you were still religious. But you fail from your exalted place of passion. And he said, if you don't turn, I'm going to move the candlestick. Well, I don't know, but in the temple, the candlestick represented the illumination and the light of God. He said, if you don't repent, I'm just going to, I'm going to quit enlightening something with no passion. I'm going to quit speaking to something with no passion. I'm just trying to help somebody right now. Have you wondered why God ain't speaking like he used to speak? Are you wondering why you're not seeing things like you used to see? Maybe because we fell from our exalted place of passion and God slipped his precious spirit of revelation out of our lives. So now all we have is the jingling and janglings of religion. And that's frustrating. Oh, it's frustrating. But I'm going to be faithful because I'm supposed to be faithful. Well, he's coming in today and he's turning over tables and saying, I'm sick of your faithfulness. Amen. Oh, God. He said, no more sacrifices. No more offerings. Amen. He said, I don't want no more of them. I want your heart back. <laughs> Sister Diana thought of when Abraham was taking Isaac. <laughs> Abraham was taking Isaac up on a mountain to kill him, to offer him as a sacrifice. And, 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 and Isaac stood at the bottom of the mountain and said, Father, here's the wood and here's the fire, but where's the sacrifice? Amen. Where's the sacrifice? And I said, now we're standing at the foot of a mountain that God wants us to go up saying, Father, here's, here's the wood and here's the sacrifice, but where's the fire? That's what he said to me. You got all the other stuff in order. You ain't got no fire. You got no passion. It won't bother you if you have a good day or a bad day. Don't make me mad that I hadn't heard from God. Oh, I'm not talking about getting, oh, we don't have a problem getting mad at God. You don't have to be mad at God. God's mad for you. And I'm going to go ahead and say that as your pastor, he's mad at you. Oh, no, we don't want to receive that. We want everybody to be happy. Oh, just be happy. Be happy in your compromise. Be happy in your backslidden. Oh, just be happy. Just be happy. Are you kidding me? There needs some conviction to come back in the house of God. We're trying to train people to be happy in areas. They ought to be fighting their way out. Oh, we're trying to preach people happy in a state of compromising coldness. When we ought to be preaching a conviction that says, my God, I can't stay here. I can't stay here. Oh, he said, I, I, I see what you're doing. And all that stuff you're doing is pacifying a conviction. Remember, somebody needs to remember right now from which you have fallen.
God spoke to me about some people in this church right here that ought to be ringleaders on this platform. He said, they ain't fighting fear. They're fighting laziness. Fighting laziness. You're stinking lazy. Ain't, ain't one thing worse than being lazy. That's being stinking lazy. Stinking lazy. But us preachers won't say, everybody just, just be happy. It'll be all right. Just take your time. Rather than get set on fire and to come out with Jesus saying, Shannon, I must work while it is day because the night's coming when no man can work. I can't wait another month to do what God's called me to do. Whatsoever your hand finds to do, do it with all your might because there is no work, no knowledge, device in the grave you're going to. Do it now. Do it now. If you're going to do it, get on fire now. Gotta get on fire now. Repent. Repent. Remember from whence thou art fallen. Repent. Oh my God, I don't want to quit, but I gotta quit. I gotta quit. I, I need some help up here. Come on, man. Come on, guys. Thank you for listening to Life Church Podcast. For more information, go to lifechurchofcolumbia.org.